Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. And he's right there, always a very present help in time of need. Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I'm going to start um, a message today that we'll probably finish over the next three or four weeks um, titled it, The Five Laws of Grace. The Five Laws of Grace. Grace has five laws. This new covenant actually has five laws that we, we're going to see through the New Testament. Five laws. Number one, the law of faith. The law of faith. Number two, the law of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit. Number three, the law of righteousness. Number four, the law of the tithe. And number five, the law of Christ. All right? The law of the tithe under the, un, in, in, is a grace law is way different than the law of the tithe under the old covenant. And we're all very happy about that. I can promise you that. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to look over these laws the next few weeks. And today we're going to begin in Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at this first law that I mentioned, the law of faith. And uh, I'm very, very excited to bring this in. Now, these, these, these messages that we're going to cover are, are uh, very theological. All right. And so we're going to go a little deeper today and the next couple of weeks than we normally do. All right, so we're going to look over several scripture, and I'm going to kind of get in my teacher mode. Are you all right with that? Yeah. All right. Well, help me, help me here, all right? I got, I need to feel the love. Can you just reach up and hug me right quick? Come on, let me just feel your hug. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and, and so we're going to look over several scriptures and just get some good, good meaty theology, all right? So you, Today, I'm just, I'm just putting the steak on for you, all right? Just imagine your favorite steak on your plate sitting in front of you right now. How many of you like it bloody? Hmm? How many of you like it well done? My grandfather didn't eat steak until it crunched in his mouth. He had to have it just burnt all the way through. So that's the way I knew how to eat steak when I was growing up. And, uh, and then when I got married to Heather, and uh, I was introduced to her family, they all had blood running out of their steaks. I thought, what is this? And I, I have not looked back since. <laughs> My mother-in-law, Karen, is here today, so I want to just give honor to her. <laughs> Romans 3.27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude through this law of faith, we conclude that a man is justified, how? By faith apart from the deeds of the law. He's justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Otherwise, he's made right with God. He's declared to be innocent without doing one good deed, just simply by believing the gospel. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 1 today. What Romans 3 helps us understand about faith is faith changes your position with God. This law of faith. Change, faith changes your position with God. Matter of fact, um, Hebrews 11, 
uh, verse 1 says, uh, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 says, For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony or a good report or a good story. In other words, faith changed their story. Faith changes all of our story. Faith changes your position with God. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. And the reason we need to look at this chapter is because this chapter is where you and I really began. We, we have to look at, you know, when, when some, it's the law of first mention. All right, if, you're a, if you really like to study the Bible and theology, the law of first mention is an important thing to consider because uh, this is where, this is the first Gentile convert in the world, all right? A man by the name of Cornelius. He, what, his, he and his family were saved, and this is the first mention of any Gentile coming into the kingdom of God right here, okay? So really, it's all of our beginning, all right? This is, this is the precedent-setting moment for how we get saved, all right? This is a beautiful story. There was a certain man, sister called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Verse 2, he was... Uh, I'm sorry, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Would you say just by reading that about Cornelius that Cornelius seems to be a pretty good dude? Yeah, Yeah. pretty good man, huh? If I could have any of those things said about me, I'd be really happy. If 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 I could leave a legacy with one of those things being said of me, I'd be happy about that. Eric Holler prayed to God always. Eric gave alms generously, or gave generously to the poor people. Eric, in all of his house, feared God. Eric was a devout man. I'd I love any of those. All of those things are so good, and they're noble. And, and, and all of us should, should uh, uh, attain those things. You know, to, all of us would like to have that said of us. But here's the thing. There is a problem, though, with Cornelius in his situation. It says all those good things about him, but... Cornelius is not a Christian. Cornelius isn't even saved. And if Cornelius were to die, he wouldn't make heaven. Even with all those good attributes, all those good things, that's really interesting, isn't it? How could God allow something like that? How could God allow something? That's just not fair. A guy like that, and and then you throw him in the same hell that a murderer or a pedophile goes to, something's just not right about that. Oh, yeah, it's right. It's right. Because you have to know about Jesus to know why that's just. You have to know what Jesus did and what he went through for all mankind for, for you to really reason this out the right way, to come to the conclusion that that actually is the just thing to do. Because either Jesus is the only way, either he is the only answer, huh? He has to be the only answer, Uh, or or we're hopeless. Or anyone could just do any good thing and get God's attention and God said, well, you know, the good outweighs the bad, so come on in. That's what religion just, that's, that's the MO of religion. Just do enough good. Let the good outweigh the bad, and then, you know, God will work it out within the end. If that's what you're hoping for, you, you're going to be terribly, terribly disappointed. All right? Because it ain't going to work out like that. It doesn't work like that. Cornelius is a good man. However, all of these things, see, Cornelius was just watching the Jewish nation. He was just watching how they worshiped, watching how they, watching how they lived. And so then he just kind of mimicked them. 
Paul called it groping for God. You know, us on the outside, us Gentiles, we didn't really have anything to do with God. God didn't really have anything to do with us for years and years and years, centuries, millennium. He, he, uh, he just did not have anything to do and because he, his eyes were on Abraham and his seed. Abraham and the children of Abraham, the natural born children, the children of Israel. When Jesus even came himself, he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that, I know that would bother all of us Americans here today to imagine that somebody like Jesus would not give us the time of day. But if you were there walking around and you wanted to get an audience with Jesus, it just wouldn't happen. He wouldn't talk to you. Because he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Unless you had faith. And now that always got his attention. But there were only two instances in his entire three and a half year ministry where a Gentile received something from him. Two instances. And it wasn't because they had a right to it. It was just because they believed him. And when they put their faith in him, he couldn't ignore them. Because really when he saw them acting like that, he really saw Abraham. And faith is the essence. Even above Judaism, even above circumcision, even above keeping the law of faith, this law of faith, God, he just can't resist it. He won't resist it. All right? So that's why I'm saying law, the, the, the law of faith. Faith changes your position with God. So now, so God had, had, had given this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom to, for Jesus to preach to the Jews. Even when Jesus told the children, his, his disciples, I'm sorry, right before he ascended into heaven after his death, burial and resurrection, just as before he left, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, as far as they knew in their Jewish minds, that only meant to the Jewish world. Wherever there are Jews, they did not see you. They did not see all those Gentiles out there as, as those who needed to hear the gospel. It wasn't even in there a thought, wasn't even a thought. Because we come to Acts chapter 10 and then we find out, oh, Wow, things change. This man, Cornelius, got God's attention. This angel shows up at Cornelius' house. What an extraordinary thing. This guy's just trying to do his best. All of a sudden, angel shows up. He says, hey, man, you got God's attention. Here's what you need to do. You need to send men down to a city called Joppa. There's a guy named Simon down there. They call him Peter. And he's staying at another guy, Simon's house, at a, at a house on the sea, by the sea. And you need to ask for him, and he'll come, and then he'll tell you some words. And he's going to tell you what you need to do, okay? So you send him into Joppa. Well, Joppa is 30 miles south of Caesarea, all right? So now this, they have to send this entourage of men down there to pick up Peter. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, when I, when I read this story, I think, God, why did you go through all of that? I mean, you got the angel in the guy's house. Why can't the angel just preach the gospel to him? Why go through all the trouble of sending guys 30 miles south down to Joppa to get some guy named Peter, bring him back up? Why go through all of that? Because this gospel, this gospel of reconciliation, this word of reconciliation that has come to us that we declare is not an angel, not a message that an angel preaches. Because the angels are not the redeemed. Men are the redeemed. And the message of the redeemed must be preached by those who are redeemed. All right? It's not an angel's job to preach the gospel. It's our responsibility. So they sent men down to Joppa to pick up Peter. Well, while all that's going on, Peter goes up on the rooftop of this guy's house. You know, the scripture says that he was a tanner. So I guess he went up there to, you know, get some sun. And uh, you're welcome. You are welcome. He's up there. He's got his reflector, you know. And 
The scripture says that he fell into a trance and he saw this vision where this sheet was let down from heaven and it was tied at the four corners and there were all of these animals, these four-footed beasts and creeping things, the scripture says. And then he hears this voice telling him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, I, I like that verse of scripture. Any guy that hunts likes that verse of scripture. Why do you hunt? Well, the Bible tells me to. Rise, Eric, kill and eat. Um, but the, it wasn't the same thing for Peter because he's looking at animals there that, that, that are not kosher to eat. God's showing him all kinds of things. I imagine there's probably maybe a pig in there, maybe tilapia, shrimp. I don't know what all he's showing him, but he's showing these, these things. He's not stuff that Cajun people eat, you know? And he's looking at this stuff, and the Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So this is what Peter says. Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unclean. That's the religious voice. The religious voice always has a British accent. You understand that, right? (laughs) Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. All right. You just said, Lord, and then you said, not so. Okay, that's reasonable. But that's, tra- that's the tradition of men. If you're steeped in tradition, you'll argue with God. Jesus said it's the traditions of men that cause the word of God to become of no effect. So, not so, and, and so he had to see this vision. God showed this vision to him three times, right? To get it through his thick skull. But Peter finally came around. God, and he said, I've never eaten anything un, un, unclean. God said, don't call common what I've cleansed. See, what God is showing him through this vision is that now all men are equal. God's, God's ministry is no longer to just the Jews. It's to the Jews. Wow. So now Peter, I mean, his head is spinning with this revelation because it's a revolution. And now he's, he's on his way over to Cornelius' house. He's trying to put all this stuff together. I'm supposed to go. I'm, the Spirit told me to go to a Gentile's house. So he gets over to the Gentile's house. Four days have gone by, and he walks into Cornelius' house. Cornelius has, has invited every loved one, every family, friend. The, the house is packed, right? He walks in, and the first thing he says, he's still kind of stuck in his tradition, all right? The first thing he says, it's unlawful for me to be here. But the Lord has shown me something new. The Lord has shown me something new, and he said, of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. Two days ago, that wasn't true. Today, it's true. Four days ago. So he asked Cornelius, why did you call for me? So then Cornelius goes through the whole story. This angel came to my house, blah, blah, blah. And he says, and he said that you were going to say something to us. So Peter starts saying something. And when you get down to verse 43, let's get, uh, actually, no, no, let's go to 21. Is it 21? 21. Yeah, then Peter went down to the men who'd sent, who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am the person whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Okay, they're still in Joppa here. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you, all right? If you underline anything in your Bible you like to highlight, I would, I would recommend underlining there, okay? To hear words from you. Now let's go down to the next one, verse 43. Now Peter's preaching, and he comes to this point in his message, all right? 
and, and he's summing it all up. As I told the earlier service, it's, it's not really him summing it up. You'll find out God's the one that's summing up the message here. All right, if the pastor won't close, God's going to make sure he closes this message. And <laughs> so should we, should we try it today? See if God, no, I'm just kidding. All right, to him all the prophets witness, though the Broncos are playing. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, this is an amazing thought. Peter says, whoever believes on him, whoever, what a great invitation that is. Any whoever's here in the room today? All right, that, that message is to you today. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. What a, what a relief this must have been for Cornelius. What a relief because... He's just copying what the Jews do, right? He's like, okay, well, they give, so I'll give. All right, they teach their kids about God. Okay, I'll teach my kids. They pray to God all the time. Okay, I'll just pray all the time. He's just trying to do the right thing. And I imagine they were expecting some extra things that they needed to do. He's going to come and tell you what you got to do. All right, so they go, okay, all right, I'm ready. Name the next thing. What else am I supposed to do? And it says, believe on the Lord. Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. I don't have to do anything? Yeah, I can do that. Believe? Yep. Watch what happens. The next thing, while Peter was still speaking these words, what words? Whoever believes on him. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who did what? Heard the word. So something extraordinary happened. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those that are in the house, and the Scripture said that they started speaking in tongues. And Peter and those guys that were with him went, Oh, my gosh. They, that, that thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit came and now all starts speaking, it's happening to them. God gave them the same gift he gave to us. What is going on here? So they, they realized these people had believed the gospel they just heard. And I, I'm, I'm amazed at this because nobody prayed a prayer asking Jesus into their heart. They're just hearing a message. And next thing you know, they just start speaking in tongues. How in the world did this happen? It happened, the first Gentile convert, this happened this way so that none of us would get stuck in some kind of rut thinking you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that in order to get saved. That's there to take every religious thought out of your life. And remember what it's really about. Faith in Jesus. Period. That's it. In chapter 11... Peter goes back to his Jewish folk, and the word has already gotten out. It has preceded him. Somebody went and ran their mouth, right? As a, they tweeted it. They put it on Instagram. Got a picture of him in a Gentile's house, breaking the law of Moses. Now he's caught. There's this buzz going about, so he shows up back there, and they are fuming mad. You went to a Gentile's house, and not only did you go in there, but you ate with him. All the stuff that we like the smell of, but we can't eat. What did it taste like, Peter? What was that tilapia like? So he says, listen, guys, and he tells them the story. Now look at verse 14, 13. And he told us, and he's telling them about what Cornelius told him. And he told us how he'd seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send me to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Verse 14, he will tell you what? And what's going to happen? By which? You and all your household will be saved. Wow. He's going to tell you words. And those words that he says to you are going to save you and your house. This is not complex. The gospel is not complex. 
We just have to say it as it is. People are complex. Not the message. The messengers goof it up. The message is beautiful. The message is good. The message is grand. To him, all the prophets, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sin. What a glorious message that is. And that message is what saves people. Not how you present the message. Hmm? It's the message that saves. And if we'll believe that, then we won't be ashamed of it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. There are so many that are preaching the gospel that are ashamed of it. They don't even know they're ashamed of it. They would never say they were. As a matter of fact, they would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But they are because they preach, because they, they go right into, along with the gospel, they preach behavior. They think the two are the same. Yeah, you can believe, but you have to obey. You have to obey. Then they make it about not sinning and obeying and doing what's right. Trying to do what only the Holy Ghost can do. Hmm? I'm not here to make you act better. I can't do that. You're going to do what you're, what you're going to do. That's your own mind. That you're, you know, you make your own decision. But the Holy Spirit's in you. And he will talk to you. And he'll guide you. And he'll help you. Mm-hmm. They do a lot better job than I can, or any of us. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I believe it's all you need. It's all you need. You need it's power at work in your life. It'll, if it'll save you, it will keep you. If it will save you, it will discipline you. If it will save you, it will, I'm, I'm telling you, it will just be there. Because in it, there's, there's life. In it, there's blessing. In it, there's healing. And the gospel is the total package. All right? He will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. All right, now, I told you we were going to be a little theological today, so just stick with me. Go to Acts chapter 15. We're talking about the law of faith. Talking about the law of faith. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, here's what happened. Between 10 and right here in chapter 15, that all, I mean, all, there were these reports, all these Gentiles are getting saved. Well, no wonder they were. They were hearing this message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Man, I mean, they were coming in by the droves because they thought they had to do all of these things like the Jews did, all this, go through all this r- religious uh, hoopla and, and stay in good graces with God. But their mess, the message then was just simply believe. Man, they were just believing like crazy. And so now these, these Judaizers are upset about this. They're like, no, 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 it ain't that easy, guys. It's not that easy. Christianity is not that easy. All right, that's great that God chose to save you. I mean, we don't really think it's great, but, you know, we're dealing with it. And, 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 but here's what you have to do. You have to be circumcised, and you have to keep the law of Moses. If you're going to be a good Christian, you need to behave like one. That's what they're telling them. If you're going to be a good Christian, you've got to behave like one. You need to keep the Ten Commandments. So, this, so now they have this council, this meeting in Jerusalem, and this fight breaks out. I mean, they're going, yes, you do. No, you don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. We don't need them to live like Yeah, they have to live like, live like us. Otherwise, they're not real Christians. So this fighting's going on. Finally, Peter stands up, and that's where he says, well, well, quiets everybody, and he tells them about that time at Cornelius' house. God chose by my mouth that they should hear the gospel and believe. Look at verse 8. So God, who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He, God knows what? He knows the heart. Where's the heart? What's in the heart? Belief is in the heart, right? That's where you believe from and made no distinction 
That must have just sounded like fingernails on a chalkboard to these guys to hear. He made no distinction between them and us, purifying their hearts by faith. All they did was heard the gospel that day, and a spark of faith went off in their hearts, and God just gave them the Holy Spirit. Just to prove to us, to show us just how simple and how easy it all is to be saved and be filled with the Spirit. Wow. This law of faith is everything. It changes your position with God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. No distinction. So, we must continue to move forward. Let's go one more place. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Not only does faith change your position with God, but faith gives you access to God's favor. Faith gives you access to God's favor. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Having been, we have. Did you see that? Having been justified. Justified just means just as if I'd never sinned. Declared innocent. Justified by faith, we have peace the word peace is the Greek word erene, E-I-R-E-N-E, erene, and it means the end to the rage and havoc of war, a state of national tranquility. The end to the rage and havoc of war. Isn't that beautiful? We have, through the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith, the end to the uh, rage and havoc of war. We have now a state of national tranquility. This is between us and God. All right? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith, say by faith, faith. into this grace, which is favor, which is grace is unearned, unmerited favor from God. All right? We've been granted access into this grace, this favor from God. How? By faith. Faith is the access into God's favor. Uh, Earlier this morning, Valerie was telling me uh, about her parents. You know, Pastor Everett and Miss Nancy, who served in this church for many, many years um, in uh, pastoral capacity and then then through the years uh, took different assignments and different locations that we had and and just served so well. If you know anything about them, they're the most loving, friendliest, gooeyest people you've ever met in your life. Amen. If you've ever spent any time with them, one thing you will know by the time you leave Everett and Nancy's presence is that you were loved. Yeah. Amen. So about three years ago, they went out to this uh, thriving metropolis called Pittsburgh, Texas. Did y'all know there was a Pittsburgh, Texas? There is east. A good way. You did not just say that. Can we get some guys to escort this man out of here, please? This is why I wore orange and blue for the Bronco. Oh, there they are right there. You better watch out, Mark. <laughs> no, go ahead. Let's do it. Let's get him out of here. <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay. Now I'm lost. And mad. Oh, Pittsburgh, Texas. Yeah. Pittsburgh, Texas. 
So they went out there to a church, and when they went to this church, um, there was an agreement by the prior leadership, and I won't go into all the details of it, uh, that, that, that things would go a certain way, and they didn't go a certain way. Um, and much to their disadvantage, Miss Everett, Miss Everett, <laughs> Pastor Everett and Miss Nancy. Uh, but you know what? I mean, it's an hour and 40-minute drive or so. Now, that's tough enough to drive an hour and 40 minutes to go do something that you love to do. But when you don't know sometimes what you're going into, what, what you know, hornet's nest you're going to kick open when you get there, and it was just kind of this continual trouble and resistance, and, but they just kept going. Because that's the thing about Everett and Nancy. When they're sold out to something, they're just going to give their hearts to it. And, and over time, even though they've faced a lot of resistance, I mean, just people just running their mouths and saying all kinds of things they shouldn't have said about them, but they just kept going, kept staying faithful, kept doing what they're doing. The church was prospering. People, new people were coming. People were gathering around them. And, and, um, and over time, how many of you know when, when you just continue to be good, you continue to be kind, people start going, oh, wait a second. Maybe these people aren't so bad. Maybe they're not what all these freaks are saying uh, about them. So they got this gathering of people who, who, were, who just caught the vision with them. Well, they continued to face such resistance, so much so. I mean, that can just wear you out after a while. They finally told them, this is our last Sunday. We're, we're out of here. And I thought they were coming back here. And I was so excited to have Everett and Nancy back here. But that wasn't the case because they weren't through. They just started another church there in Pittsburgh. And, and about 50 people went with them. And they started off in this little building behind this big building that they really like, but wasn't in their budget and nor was it really available. They were starting this little building having church. And man, the people just started coming, just gathering around them and getting excited with the vision that they had. And just, just what was it yesterday, Val? Yesterday uh, that they got the call? Friday. Yeah, y'all went and worked yesterday. Yesterday, they, or Friday, they got a call and got an offer. They said, Asked if they still wanted that bigger building. And they said, yeah, it used to be like a fitness center. You know, it had all kinds of rooms and just a great building. Even a big pool in it. And, and uh, they said, yeah, you know, but not really in our budget to do something like that. The guy said, hey, don't worry about that. Listen, if you can do $500 a month, his note is $1,500 a month. He said, I'll cover the 1000 Y'all just get in there and start doing it. All right. So they have actually, and we'll work it out, and they're going to work into some kind of uh, leasing to own or whatever, and this guy's, they just favored them, blessed them. So today they're having their first service in that building, or did. So Valerie and them went there, and they started painting and doing all kinds of work. Today they had more people than chairs. So what a great deal. We're going to do something to help them too. Don't y'all think? All right. I think so. I want in on that. I want in on that. We're going to build a building. We need to get in on that. Yeah. See, when God favors you, there's nothing man can do about it. Can't do anything about it. When God opens doors, no man can shut it, the scripture says. And when God shuts doors, no man can open it. See, he's chosen to give you favor. He's chosen you. He's forgiven you. He's accepted you. So it's not that I mean, isn't it, I, I always thought, wow, what a great thing that God saved us from 
eternal punishment. You know, that's an amazing thing. And wouldn't that really been great if that was the end of the story? But it's, that's not all he wanted to do. He didn't want to just change our position with him. He also wanted to grant us favor and show us an inheritance. I love what Ephesians says. Paul says it like this. He prays for them, and this is what I pray for you too, that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Isn't that beautiful? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? So, the exceeding greatness of his power is known to those who will simply believe. Amen. So this year, when we say, God, show us those great and mighty things, you're going to have to believe that. Believe that and let him release it to you. God sends down grace and we send up faith. And in that atmosphere, miracles happen. When grace meets faith, anything's possible. Anything's possible. The law of faith. Faith changes your position with God, and faith gives you access into God's favor. And you know what? I'm going to stop right there, and next week we will get into the law of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time with these wonderful people. Thank you, Lord, that your word teaches us that in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, Lord, we know at your right hand sits your son. Everything in him, then, is everything that we've ever desired. Everything that we're looking for, hoping for, dreaming for, is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this great message that has come to all of us, that at one point or another, sometime in our life, We heard the gospel and believed it. And that gospel message was this. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Believe on him. Believe on him today. Believe on him. Whether this would be your first time to believe on Jesus, maybe you're away from God, believe on him today. Believe that he died for you. Or maybe you just need to believe on him in a situation in your life. Maybe you've lost hope in a situation or become discouraged. Listen to him. Believe on him today. Maybe you're battling sickness or disease or pain in your body. Believe on him today. Need help in your finances. Believe on him today. Need help in your marriage with your kids. Believe on him today. Because it is his desire. His message to you is you and all your house. You and all your house. Amen. Believe that today. He's for you. He is on your side. And as Heather said earlier, he is good through and through. Through and through, time and time again. And whatever situation you may find yourself in today, God is able and willing to turn that thing around for good. You might not see the good. That's okay. He sees it. He sees it. He sees ways you don't see. He knows ways you don't know. And let me tell you this, just to challenge you maybe a bit. Jesus said, I am the way. So if you ever have let this come out of your mouth or thought, don't do it again. Well, there's just no way. 
Because really what you're saying is there is no Jesus for me in this situation then. If you say there is no way, huh? He is the way. So there is a way. Always. Always. All things are possible to those who will believe. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for healing. Thank you for restoring. Thank you, Lord, for renewing hope. Thank you for your joy. Thank you, Lord, for being a very present help in time of need. Thank you, Lord, for saving and delivering. Lord, we trust you today. We believe your word. We need it in our lives because it is life to us who find it, and it is health to all of our flesh. Lord, I pray that for your people as they, as they go from here today, God, Lord, that they will remember the power of the words of the gospel and not be silent with them. But Lord, to just believe it, to not be ashamed, but just declare those beautiful words because there are so many out there who are groping, looking, trying, who just need to hear that message. Hey, believe on him. Call upon his name. Whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe on Jesus and be saved today. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me just declare a couple of things over you. I just declare the word of God says over you today, no evil shall befall you and no plague shall come near your dwelling. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. All of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. You shall be far from terror and far from oppression. The scripture says, it shall not even come near you. Amen. You dwell under the secret place, in the secret place of the Most High. You dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, God is on your side. He is with you. He will not fail you. His word is true, and his word will gird you up, and it will guide you. You have an anointing in your life that teaches teaches you all things and it abides in you. The spirit of truth has come and he will himself guide you into all truth. Amen. You will not walk in confusion. You will walk in the wisdom and the grace of almighty God. Hallelujah. Love abounds in your life and let love, perfect love, love of God casts out all fear from your life. You're not going to live one more day, one more moment full of fear in Jesus name. In the name of Jesus, you are free from that by the love of God that has come to rescue you from that in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.